0: Man, y'all got me feeling the feels. <laughs> These are tears of joy. <laughs> uh, one of the kids say, "Why why are you dipping that bread in the cup?" <laughs> and uh Well, there's a number of reasons. In some churches, you drink out of the same cup. I was glad as a germaphobe that I wasn't a part of that tradition. (laughs) Uh, So there's some practical reasons we do that. But I think there's also a theological reason because uh, on the night that Jesus was passing around bread and cup, he said to his disciples, he said, the person that will dip the bread in the bowl is the one who will betray me. And there's something about coming to this table that we just claim our identity of not going to do this thing perfectly. (laughs) Going to betray, going to mess up, going to. And so uh, that's part of the reason we dip the bread in the cup is to kind of confess and say, we're in need of actually what this cup has to offer, which is thank you, Eli, (laughs) Um, which is mercy and forgiveness and God's love. And, uh... oh, baby, bar the doors. Let's just have revival. (laughs) All right, we're beginning a new series called uh, New Creation. And throughout the month, we're going to talk about uh, one of the the symbols, the sacraments that we celebrate uh, as a church, as the body of Christ, both Holy Communion, the bread and the cup, but also baptism, the sign of water. And that that's a tangible sign of God's grace. And so over the next four weeks, um, I'll be teaching about that. Amanda will be leading the service on January 28th. And uh, and we'll have a baptismal pool if you would like to remember your baptism. Or if you would like to be uh, baptized for the first time, we would love to support you in that journey. And uh, the journey is not that we come out of this identity of baptism, completely healed, holy, and ready to live a perfect life, we have just grabbed a hold of our identity that we're new. And we've got to grab a hold of that identity moment by moment, day by day. And, uh, and so we'd love to, to celebrate that with you. We'll have a chance to put your name down here. And what that means is Amanda or I will have a chance just to have a conversation and, and talk more about it. Um, So tonight, uh, the the passage is actually the follow-up, the verses that follow how I traditionally end our service with the blessing, which is from Ephesians chapter 3, the very end. And now to the one whose power is at work within us, say it with me, to do exceedingly, abundantly, extravagantly, more than we could ask or imagine. That's verses 20 and 21, and then usually I skip back up to 14, 15, and 16. The one whose love is long and high and deep and wide, to that one be all glory and honor and power. And the verses that follow in chapter 4, you think the letter is done, but Paul's like, but wait, there's an encore. And he begins chapter 4 with this word. Therefore. Because of the power, because of God's spirit that is at work within you, because of this love that we are to to root ourselves in as a new creation, to immerse ourselves in, to anoint us with, because of that, therefore, it was actually Stephanie's scripture verse last week, conduct yourself in such a way with humility. And anyway, spoiler alert, I'm going to ask Gay to come up and read it. Give her some encouragement.
1: family. My name's Gay. And this is Ephesians 4, 1 through 13. Therefore, therefore, as as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love, and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit, with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. God has given his grace to each one of us, measured out by the gift that is given by Christ.
0: There is a a quote that is attributed to many different people. Actually, uh, just a second ago, Pooh, where'd you go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually said this, this quote. The, The quote that I'm gonna read is on the screen. Nope, stay there, you're good. When one door closes, another door opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened for us. Some, you may have heard an adaptation of it, when God closes a door, God opens a window. (laughs) So tonight, what I want to do, the direction that we are moving within this passage uh, from Ephesians, is what does it mean to be gathered around one hope and one baptism? One identity in Christ. And I want to, where we'll land tonight is to kind of offer some ways to have a window into the soul to kind of open the door. But that quote is attributed to a bunch of different people, Alexander Graham Bell, Helen Keller, uh, Cervantes, and Don Quixote. Everett, who runs the slides, we both agreed you got to go with the earliest is usually the correct one. So that would have, anyway, it doesn't matter. But when God closes a door, there may be some other opportunity. And at the start of a new year, I think it's a good time to, in some regards, not try to keep um, pounding our heads against closed doors and running around trying to find the open door But to to present ourselves, to, to realize that we are, there is a power at work within us, the spirit that is at work within us, that is beyond anything we could ask or imagine. In the book of Revelation, it is said this way, For Jesus, the one who holds the key of David, is the one who closes doors that can never be opened and opens doors that can never be closed. And so at the start of a new year, to position ourselves individually, but as a community to say, how do we give our attention to God? We have this spirit at work within us. We are steeped in this love, and we are gathered around. The passage says here, you are one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. I mean, it's like Paul, we get the idea. No, he has more to say. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. Now next week we're going to spend a little bit of time because baptism has been a little bit of an argument within the church. How do you do it? How much water? (laughs) How often? You do it once or do it until it takes. Just save all of those (laughs) inquiries until next week, at which time we will not answer a single one of them, but we will look at the breadth of the tradition of baptism because there is one baptism. One identity in which we find ourselves. Which is found in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes when we read scripture, it's important to pay attention to what are the verbs that come up. And so Paul uses this introduction. He says, therefore, so you have to look at why the there is. Anyway, you know what I mean. He says, I beg you, I beseech you, I encourage you to go into your prayer closet, to sit before the Lord, and to just close yourself off to the world. (laughs) No, he says, I beg you to live. And the word here is actually walk. Walk what you believe. Live, conduct, accept. And he says here, I want you to move with haste to preserve the unity of peace. We miss some of this in the English language here. It says, I want you to move with haste because there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Move with haste towards unity, which is this thing that binds your hearts together. It's like a fetter that fuses your heart to God and to one another. live, walk, accept, and work towards this unity, this peace. Why? Because we are one body, because we have one faith together, because there are days there is one hope, and sometimes I need to borrow your hope, (laughs) because my bank account is a little low on funds. (laughs) And so let's start off this year. We're just kind of grabbing a hold again of this promise that we are new creations, that we are are given the gift of tangible signs of God's grace and that God is pouring life into us and that indeed we are all a part of one hope. I love that our faith is not just one of intellectual descent but it is really grounded in the day-to-day. And so the invitation I have for us tonight is to think about this one hope of of how to pay attention. What is the door that God is opening to your soul? What is the window that God is opening? Uh, Included in the weekly email that sometimes at this time of year we have set resolutions and we're already upset with ourselves that we have broken the very things that we intended to do. Hey, good news, you can start again. The work that we do here of one hope, one faith, one Lord, one baptism—it's self-improvement within that is is important. Learning and growing and setting life goals within your relationships, within your career—all of that is important. But it's got to be grounded within a relationship with God. I'll read the quote here from Ken Geyer. He uh, he wrote a lot of books in the nineties. Pulling this one off my shelf, it's called Windows of the Soul, because I too, I'm I'm looking for what window is open. It says, the pursuit of self is what most of us have been doing for much of our lives, even our spiritual lives. Guilty. (laughs) But the self is a cul-de-sac. And eventually we end up where we started, if it's just about us. We end up foot sore and just as frustrated, just as unfulfilled. We feel like we're a failure or worse, a fraud. He goes on to say, and so taking some of the resolutions, there's nothing wrong with resolutions. Set goals in life. That is extremely important. (laughs) But if we just shellack some Jesus on top of that and call it the soul, he says that is actually just a fancier cul-de-sac than (laughs) self-improvement. It still just leads you on this never-ending course. A window to the soul is one that leads you into the deepest, truest self of who you are and opens our eyes to the world around us. So here's my invitation. As we think about One Hope, as we think about leaning into and looking for this window that God is opening within your life, I want to invite you to pick a word for the year to choose some sort of prayer word, something that could bring you back and at times bring you out of self. (laughs) I'll share a couple of mine from previous years. Uh, It was actually during 2020 I was praying for wisdom back when it felt like we didn't know anything about anything about anything. (laughs) The word wisdom was one I would just return to and it wasn't just wisdom of what I could learn in a master's class or on a YouTube channel, but it was to sit and to pray for the wisdom of God, the Sophia, the spirit, to speak truth. Other times I've used the word joy. I have a tendency to not only be a glass is half empty person, but a glass is half empty and it was at three ounces, now it's at 2.73 ounces. Meticulously. (laughs) pessimistic. (laughs) And so I needed, this was several years ago, I needed a word that was just going to pull me out of self, of this cul-de-sac of perfectionism, and bring me into joy. Joy. My word for this year is adventure. And no, I'm not about to start a travel blog. (laughs) I was having a conversation with a good friend at, at year end, and I realized... I think some of this just happened during COVID. We all had to live closer and smaller and kind of reduce the footprint, but I just got comfortable. And so my word for the year is adventure. Spirit guide me into places that are gonna make me uncomfortable. And maybe geographic places, but really just, God, open up again the expanse. Blow open the window. And let me see the fullness of what you were doing. So spend some time this week and choose a prayer word. And the second thing is we have one hope and one baptism. The water is a unifying symbol. It's a sacrament of our identity in Jesus. And when Jesus spoke of his baptism, oftentimes he didn't talk about that moment along the Jordan River when his cousin in the camel hair that was eating locusts and honey dipped him under the water, he talked about his baptism of suffering. They asked him at the end, can we sit on your right and your left? And he's like, can you be baptized into what I'm going to be baptized into? And they said, absolutely. (laughs) To which he said, spoiler alert, yeah, you are. (laughs) But he also knew that he was not only being baptized, descended into the waters, but that he would rise again. So we have one hope. Find your word to cling and to grab hold of hope. And we are unified in this symbol of baptism, of our identity, that we are fettered and joined together with Christ. In just a moment, Amanda's going to come and, uh, and lead us in the family meal. And then we're going to close by singing a, a popular hymn, Come Thou Fount. It contains within the verse, Let Thy Goodness like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. I got a little curious about who would write such a hymn. Turns out he wrote in the 1700s. He was someone that his mom always wanted him to be a pastor, but they didn't have the money back in those days. You had to go to a lot of school to become a pastor. I still do today, but hey, God's calling people and rabbit trail, back up. So he became an apprentice. Um, He was actually a a barber, a hairdresser. Apparently he was pretty good. Lived in London. But one day he encountered a man named George, George Woodfield, who was good friends with John Wesley. And they would go out into any field that was open and available to begin to preach of this one Lord, one faith, one baptism. They'd go into coal mines, they'd go into hospitals, they'd go into people's living rooms. And one day, this man heard this message from George, and something in his heart moved from guilt to grace to gratitude. And for the rest of his days, he wrote this song. He said, come thou fount, come this flowing water, pour over me. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. That is the hope under which we are united. We are fettered, we are bound together. And it's the hope that brings us to this table tonight.